0: Warning. This is a world of heroes and villains, of adventure and adversity, of love and death. The characters portrayed in these stories come from varied walks of life, not all of them healthy, and the journey ahead is dangerous. Sessions may include strong language, suggestive situations, alcohol or drug use, depictions of violence against anyone and everyone, speciesism, classism, social elitism, self-harm, slavery and death of characters or NPCs. The world can be a dark place, and sometimes bad things happen to good people. If these things make you uncomfortable, you may want to consider alternative listening. But ultimately, only you can decide whether or not this is the show for you. If it isn't, you're under no obligation to say, we hope you find what you're looking for. If it is, then we hope you enjoy the show.
1: And we are live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I am the narrator. My guest this evening is, of course, the irrepressible master of headbuds. And welcome to Vanadia Origins, where the earth and the sky meet. Where we're going to do a nice short little special about, uh... Well, why don't you introduce your character, Dan? Dan?
2: Oh goodness, I have to do this. Hi, I'm Sersha. I am a, whoa, Chevalier et well, or et depending. And I have spent my life studying under the wings of the exemplar teachers, masters. I should say, now we're just on a journey while I try to face my mission of taking down the Yerudo Black trade market. And that's that's it.
1: it. It's a good cause, ending <laughs> slavery and, you know, the the harvesting and trafficking of non-human species. So, nah. you, know, you gotta have goals. Well, that's good, and it has been an interesting ride to see your character go through what she has gone thus far. Um, any uh, butterflies about the cliffhanger we left everything on?
2: Yeah. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> I haven't even watched back on the VOD yet because I, I don't I don't want to feel that again, but I know I'm going to have to on Saturday. And somebody has to get those clips, so
1: I need an adult. I need an adult. They do. I don't even
2: know it's there.
1: Alright. Well let's talk Sertia. So Sersha, born in the city of Shavar. To her loving parents, Elenia and Talon, Credu, because I can keep that last name in my head, I swear. Yes. Um, rather modest beginnings, a family of love. Only child, I believe. That is correct. Um, your mother, cherishing and loving you and always feeding you stories about adventure and the great future for the uh, Anjumi and for the Chevalier as a whole as they establish and they come forward in things. You know, Under the guiding light of Talon, of course, because religion is cornerstone to a happy and healthy growth and development process. Your father, a little more... A little, a little more jaded by the reality of things. Very aware of the undermarket and where demi-human races such as the Chevalier, the Danuki, and others are uh, bought and sold as slaves, or worse, harvested for esoteric components for everything from um, exotic potions to magical artifacts um, and... Strange and mysterious tinctures and the like to uh, live in the bedroom among everything else because for some reason people do that.
2: Nothing like a bit of eyeing to get that ED to go away.
1: There you go. Um Rocked hard in no time. Sorry. No, that's it's an accurate <laughs> statement. You know, there's there's generations of you like by tiny, tiger penis. You know, I mean. <laughs> so, but for Sercia everything changed when she was seven out playing in the fields outside shabar testing the limits of her burgeoning earth manipulation when the ground began to shake the rocks began to rattle the birds and the wildlife went silent and erupting from the ground, its black chitinous shell glistening in the sunlight. A monster that you would come to learn is called locally the Colossal Siege Beetle, a massive insectoid engine of destruction, so called because its size and the barbed horn on its on its forward, its inverted proboscis, is strong enough and sharp enough that they had been trained during various points of the Demon King War as siege weapons to break through fortifications and fortresses, to tear down wooden barriers, and to allow uh, the Demon Lord's forces to infiltrate cities. Incredibly rare, and yet, seven years old and you found yourself staring at the beast, clamoring out of the soil... And then, paralyzed in fear as it screeched at you, its unearthly keen, and launches all 4,000 pounds of its armored hide at you. How did you survive that?
2: I don't know. I closed my eyes, I screamed, and then I heard crackling around me. And I felt my hair stand on end, it felt windy, and then when I opened my eyes, I was just surrounded by it. it looked like clouds, with bright white lightning shooting through them. And there I stayed, until I heard the call from others.
1: Um, I may have screamed a little. I don't think anyone could blame you. Hey, uh an impressive and terrifying way to discover that you're not a traditional sh- uh, chevalier, not an Aijumi, rather an etoilé, a miracle child, born with the ability to manipulate not one, but two elements. Born with a capacity for earth and with enough focus, even gemstones and metals. And then further elaborated upon by the Uh, power of the salarm, to bend the skies, to create hurricane force winds, or even draw lightning from the clouds. This was a game changer not just for you, for your entire family. You were a, uh, you were a a, a child of simple means. You know, uh, uh, a little house in Shavar, your parents doing work. Um but you know by no measure uh, no measure an unhappy life but certainly not an extravagant one um and then suddenly you're the limelight in town etoile are incredibly rare you know one every 1000 births um, mm-hmm. to to find that the uh, that you're that the credu family had one was uh It was amazing. Um, Nobles came from Arya to speak with your parents at great length. Um, The carefree days of your childhood, slightly darkened by the events with the uh, siege beetle, but still childlike and free, suddenly now that, that freedom was gone. Now you you needed to be groomed. You you are you're not a ch- just a child anymore. Now you're a future figurehead, a representative for the chevalier. Blessed by talent, with not one but two elemental feats to your name, you're destined for great things. Your mother struggled still to keep your childhood light and happy. But the, uh, the words of your father and his brother became all the more severe. Um, Chevalier themselves were already hunted and pursued. But for an Etoile, I mean, what could be done with your Seed Corps alone? Not to say, mention your blood or anything else that could be taken from you. You became a hot commodity. For those that were not above taking a life to facilitate growth and development and to provide themselves something exotic. It was essentially the end of free time for you. There was no more sneaking out at night to look up at the stars and wonder what lied beyond that great indigo bow of the heavens. No more free wandering in the forests around town... Um, all of that was effectively gone. Now it was tutors. Now it was study and learning and being sculpted and molded. You, you, you were no longer allowed to just be a simple child anymore. Now every decision had to be meted against the fact that someday, little pebble, you would be a representative for all chevalier kind. That's a hell of a lot of weight to put on a on a kid.
2: Better
1: than 4,000 pounds of beetle. Fair enough. <laughs> um, there was some light, pleasure, um, on your parents' side. It meant they no longer had to chase you away from the Anzacot ruins outside of Shavar. Not that you ever really managed to figure out what those ruins held and why they were patrolled by soldiers from the nobles in the mainland. But it quickly became something that was no longer a focus because now you had a mission. You were to be trained and educated and you had to learn to fight and to defend yourself and to master skills and to be properly trained in etiquette and to know your place in society and how you were to project yourself when you went out into the world. Your father constantly reminding you you couldn't be trusting. You needed to be restricted. You needed to be contained. You couldn't go around showing the people what you could do. You couldn't go spinning pebbles for the people in the streets for to amuse others. You couldn't go making the flowers pop or making the, the earth ripple and spit stones up. Now you had to keep it under wraps and contained. Now it was life or death that nobody knew what Saoirse Kudu was. And all that childlike innocence and mirth that your mother had worked so hard to culture by the time you were nine was a distant memory. It was also, it didn't help that uh, the entirety of your time was now tutors the old man to teach you reading and writing, to, to work your totima, to teach you the common dialect, the basic math, reading, um, the knowledges of first aid, everything that you had to learn, to master, to become. Um, although it was a different experience than you were expecting when they walked in, your uh, trainer when you were to start learning how to be an exemplar. It wasn't an old man that walked in. It wasn't what what you were expecting. He was a younger man um, in his early 20s. Uh, Just a bit of beard stubble on his face. Um, He smiled far easier than the people you were used to. The nobles were guarded because he wasn't a chevalier. But they couldn't turn him away because he had been sent specifically um, from the Yarem Hermitage where the finest of exemplars train to come here to teach you. he Brother Raven came with no shortage of referral. He was young and lighthearted and friendly, but he was a dedicated combatant. He had distinguished himself time and again against monsters during his travels and had done more than anyone's fair share to help travelers he encountered on the roads, to do work for the Adventurers' Guild when he wasn't at his post. And he, uh, he always seemed happy to nurture that barest hint of childlike mirth you still held. It's the oddest little pomp and stance around the elders well of course sir I understand she'll be in the best of care and then the moment nobody was looking it would always be a sidelong glance he would stick his tongue out at you or he'd um, flick stones at you and you'd flick them back Just little things like that to break the monotony when it was the two of you training it was different he, he felt alive When you dealt with him, he didn't sit on the other side of a desk next to a slate with a book and drone on at you about things you had to learn. Things that you had already learned, but would be repeated. And you would be quizzed again and again to make sure that you would not stammer or stumble on the knowledge, should it ever be called upon. Against Brother Raven, it was different. The first day you walked out onto the field, you asked him, what are we going to do? And he said, well, You're going to hit me. Which just incredulous. And he said, Oh, come now, little pebble. It's not that difficult. I said, You're going to try and hit me. I didn't say you were going to succeed. Wouldn't be a very good teacher if I just stood here and let you pummel me with your tiny, fearsome fists of stone. Come now. And he gestured with one hand, and as he rolled it out, you watched as his skin hardened and turned into this sheen of gold that you could see your reflection in. And he said, come, little pebble. Hit me. And you would spend weeks at that. Just, in the beginning, frustrating, agonizing moments of trying, first, half-heartedly. But he would just deflect. with that... That shining hand. And if you weren't trying very hard ever so often, he would turn you. He would poke an ear. He would boop your nose. He would say, come now, Pebble. You have to try. If you don't look like you're trying, they're going to make me go back. And they're going to hand you a stodgy old man who's going to tell you how to hit things from a book. So come now, Pebble. And with time, you got good. With time, you practiced, and you grew, and you trained, and Brother Raven was always there. And you would sit through your classes, and you would sit through the droning of the old men and wait and count the minutes. And then when you would get to Brother Raven's time, it would be six or seven hours away from the boundaries. He'd sneak you out of the buildings and over the wall, and you'd be out in the woods. Surrounded by nature. You could feel the earth under your bare feet. You could feel the wind in your hair. And in times at evenings, when he would conveniently forget about the time, you could sit and look at the stars. And remember what that was like. Brother Raven was an unusual person. He, uh, didn't speak of Fallon like the rest of them did. All the all the Chevalier spoke of Fallon. He was God and the Father. He created the first of you. He gave the blessing of the elements to Verodi himself, who passed it down to the Chevalier. And Brother Raven was never different. He never dismissed what you uh he, he never dismissed what your beliefs were. You were always welcome to them when you would stop and pray, as your mother had told you time and again to do before your meals, before your evening, um, when you did your ablutions after combat when you did them in the mornings, when you would prepare for your day. Always the prayers. Thank you, Fallon, for the great balance of all that is creation, for the fire that lights the sun in the sky, for the earth that stands unflinching at my feet, for the air in my lungs, and for the water that nourishes life. And always they would come, and he would always stand, and you would do yours, but his were always different. It was always just a slight grasp of the pendant around his neck, an equidistant cross and a gold feather. But it was never to Fallon, so once in a while you might hear him offer up thanks to Halen, thanks to the Prime Light, for a day, for the blessings of the sun, for the eager mind of a young pupil to share his time and his experience with. But it was it wasn't the same and it was strange because of all the people you had been exposed to in Shivar, everyone even if they didn't worship Fallon Fallon was the God who was there it was the shrine in town it was the uh, the tapestry at the inn it was what you were expecting to he was always different and it was. He was the incongruent element of your life, so structured in combat, so constantly focused on learning, on controlling, on becoming not the child you wanted to be, but being what the expectations of you were. So, the evening has come and the stars have begun to shine, and you find yourself on a grassy hill outside of Shavar. The stars have begun to peek out a dinner of simple breads, some meats and cheeses, some juice for the child not yet old enough to partake. Sitting on by. You are 14 years old, Sersha Crudo, and on this evening, as you sit out there on that grassy hill and Brother Raven sets the bread and the cheese and the fruit and everything in front of you, he says... You've done well today, little Pebble. You've worked hard, and I am, as always, impressed by your veracity and your ferocious dedication to grow and evolve. But now, I would like you to turn your mind to other things to sit, to appreciate this quiescence, this moment of peace. Let your mind wander, let your natural inclinations, your thoughts, be your own. Please eat, because... I can't say exactly for how long before the old master comes and says you, you needs to be inside it's not safer out here in these woods and he takes his apple off the plate and he says so free your mind Saoirse talk talk to me what do you think what do you feel on this day he sits back and crosses his boots and reclines on the grass next to you eyes up into the stars um, the odd branch and some leaf in his hair from a moment where a successful deflection turned into a grapple and you dumped his ass into a bush
2: oh oh no oh no <laughs> this is the part I was ready for <clears throat>
1: You didn't think I was going to just talk to you the whole way through. Yeah, no. That's not (laughs) role-playing, that's narrating. And don't get me wrong, I do love a good narration, but, um, you know, this is your game, too.
2: 14 years old. What did 14-year-olds sound like? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We'll go with it. Brother Raven, you... You really should should stop stop calling me Little Pebble. I'm not the same little girl I was whenever you first found me. Of course not.
1: But they're all going to call you Little Pebble. They're so determined to remind you that you were a child in this.
2: I'm not even the shortest one here.
1: Of course not.
0: And
2: she'll laugh and kind of like gesture like she's an old man. You know, some of the elders are half my height by now.
1: Oh, shrunk and bent, as would be expected, like the roots of any old tree.
2: Sometimes
1: a tree should, you know, pop all over. Their time will come. It's only a matter of time. Well, if I'm not to call you Little Pebble, then, then what should I call you, Sasha? I don't know. Well, if I call you Sasha they're going to think I'm far too familiar. the last thing they want is for some suave, debonair priest of the mainland to come and try and steal away his shining apprentice. No, I'm trying to save you from boredom. Yarem, as grand as it is to be at the library, is no place for you. I think the world is yours. Adventure is where I think you're going to find yourself. I think you're going to love seeing that. The stars are different under each on each land. Wherever you go, the stars in the stars in Gareth are vastly different from the stars here. The sky is a different shade. The sound of the nightbird's different. The world is a broad place and as much as they like to lock you in here, you should feel the sand under your feet elsewhere. Else sand is dangerous. Especially for someone like me.
2: You should know that.
1: Ah, I think in time you'll harden it. Yeah.
2: Sersha is gonna pull her journal from her side. It's brand new, fresh leather. A little treat that she procured from the library. Pages ripped from it, replaced with fresh paper.
1: Mum's the word.
2: And, and she's, she's going, going to stare at the sky and point to a constellation. constellation. Now tell me, Brother Raven, do you know what that is?
1: Well, I'm certain I know what that is. But just for the sake of it, why don't you tell me what it is? Your head in the stars, I was star asking
2: so you, me, because, because I didn't know. know.
1: Oh, fine. Very well then, test my knowledge if you must sits himself up in his cross-legged position and looks up and he says, I believe that is called the sword. The sword. Sure doesn't look like one. Oh, constellations require tremendous amounts of imagination.
2: Mm, I think it, they yeah. were,
1: uh, I, I, personally, I think they, uh, require libation to take any real semblance of form. I think that the first sailors who decided to navigate by them were intensely lubricated. Of course. You
2: know the water fairs? Do you
1: love a drink? What about you? Will you uh, help yourself to that drink when you are at an age where they stop scowling over their noses at you every chance they get?
2: Mm -hmm. I've seen
1: my uncle when he's drunk.
2: I, I don't think I will. Plus, how can I properly defend myself for anybody who needs it if I am not of full mind?
1: Heaven forbid. I'm sure there will come a time where you will not have to defend the world, little pebble. I think mm-hmm. there shall come a time where you will have to learn not to shield yourself. To let that down into embrace, new experiences.
2: No, I've smelled it before. The drink,
1: even tried no, the taste know. of it. It's, it's dreadful. It's dreadful. I think they should use it as armor polish. I agree. That doesn't not mean like there it wasn't. I burn the hair of my own head. Indeed. That, that's not to say there wasn't a point in my life where I was curious and unsupervised, and I made questionable decisions. You? No. You would be surprised. I was quite the problematic child when I was your age. Always out, picking fights and wandering about. That's why they called me the Raven when they took me into the Order. Because I had a penchant for picking up shiny things that weren't mine. I'm... cut
2: from the same cloth and she'll snap her journal clothes set it down, grab a piece of bread and then just throw herself back onto the ground and stare up at the stars and then she's going to try a little little tiny flex of her sailor and power. still kind of uneasy on it and uh Russell, the bush be like oh I think you might have lost something in there
1: oh do you now do you think they do. I've lost something I do perhaps I should go look then.
2: yes yeah it's called your dignity brother and oh, she's gonna stand up and grab the food and toss a
1: piece of bread at him oh you, you uh-huh. how, d- the, the audacity, where do you keep the audacity in that tiny little uniform of yours, young pebble? I, I, <laughs> oh, oh, he, he hunches himself and shakes a finger, finger at you. That's not the way proper, Silla, uh, proper you know, proper Anjumi and, and, um, H-well-A should be conducting themselves, young lady. An ever mature fling of bread that. back at you. <laughs>
2: Sersha will uh, artfully dodge it by bowing at the appropriate time. I'm so sorry, Master. It will never happen again. Now, if you don't mind, I do have a book to read.
1: Of course, of course. Heaven forbid. You do yours. I'm going to say my evening ablutions, then. Of course.
2: And Sersha will do her quick prayer, making them ever so silent. As she picks up a little bit of Brother Raven's um, characteristics from his teachings, and then she's just going to eat and look out over the village before checking all around to see if any of the old masters are coming for them.
1: The evening is clear, and the pair of you are left to your own devices. Um, you are left to your book and Brother Raven at a point crosses his legs and bows his head in his quiet meditation and you hear him offer up as he does every so often his thanks to the Prime Light and his hope that Halen continues to look down and to provide guidance to nurture potential. I was wondering when you'd catch that. Continue. <laughs>
2: just, just big underscores just in the notebook there.
1: there. I, I, I will be interested to, to hear um, any and all uh, theoretical flailing that transpires after we're said and done. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Unfortunately, from this point forward, things do not continue in such a way. For the following morning, um, on your way to your training, you are informed by one of the old masters that Brother Raven will no longer be conducting your training.
2: Can I at least say goodbye?
1: The brother was dismissed this morning. And, uh, we we felt it best that he not be allowed to continue his, um heretical teachings we wish to keep your path clear
2: I see nothing heretical about the way that he taught me I did take him down several times
1: because you are young Pebble you will come in time to understand the path is easily clouded by people who do not understand the weight and the significance of the cause you carry
2: Sasha so sure, will just nod her head and wait to be dismissed.
1: You are uh, encouraged in the meantime to engage in self-study. Collect a book, take it to your room, and do some some mental exercises to keep you focused and away from the misleadings of foreigners.
2: So she's gonna break out and go find Brother Raven, if she can. She knows the old path to jump over the wall. I'm sure she can hoist herself up now with her legs not as short as they used to be.
1: No. And it's not difficult. You you find Brother Raven out in the same green pasture where you two have sat many times. Under a tree. There are a few small blackbirds nearby he's tossing crumbs of bread to. They uh, eye you suspiciously as you approach, but they do not flee. Brother Raven looks at you and he goes, Oh, I see that it's true and I have led you down a path of crime and misdirection.
2: Heresy. Heresy, Heresy, they claim. I I feel like someone from this land shouldn't Shouldn't be judged based off of who they follow. I mean, we do know for a fact there were four
1: gods. Yes, well... What can I say, Pebble? I, uh, have made a path and I have chosen to follow someone that the gods don't like. Mm-hmm. There's no well, place think... in the churches for the prime light. And nevertheless, I have chosen this path, if for no other reason than to bite my nose to spite my face. I'm sure...
2: If it can create a man half as good as you, it's not as bad as they
1: think it is. I happen to think it's quite harmless, but that is the thing with elders and the like. They are very attached to their ways. They are certain that the foundations of your upbringing rely on Fallon, and only Fallon, being central to the theology, to the rhetoric, to the dogma and the discipline that you are fed every day. I'm sure it began long before you got here, and it will continue onward as it does for most, and there's nothing wrong with that. If Fallon's teachings make your spirit light and your feet grounded, there's no harm in that. I just... I find, and perhaps it is because of where I've come from, and I have been a man of less than upright bringings from time to time, I like the idea that there is a power out there who looks at me and judges me not for the actions I make in weakness, but rather for the potential that I represent.
2: I quite like that.
1: I shall tell you what then. Should you find yourself graduated from this stodgy decor of these stodgy old men and their stodgy opinions, I encourage you to come to the Yoram Hermitage It is the oldest library in existence. It maintains all of our world's history. I encourage you to come there and to make your own opinions about the world outside of this place. Not to forget where you've come from and what you learned, but to pick up an outside opinion, look at it, set it down, and come away from it a little wiser.
2: I feel like I would most like that if I'm ever set free to do such a thing. Well, I'm you know sure how before they do long, with this exemplar.
1: I'm sure before long you'll be bending portals through the walls themselves, riding pillars of stone across the sky.
2: I, I don't think working is something that I look forward to, but of course.
1: I I think you'll like it in the end. It's a strange sense of accomplishment. Reaching out and doing quests and taking jobs for the Adventurers Guild and the like. It... It... It it allows you a little bit of an exposure to the outside world. It teaches you about people and the things that they value. It, It helps you understand elements of people that you don't see in books. the ones um, that father taught me about. Good and bad. There... I, I've, I've walked... I've walked the pathway of the undermarket, and I've seen people on the auction block. I've passed my way through the Arudo slave market a time or two, and I've seen what the weight of a man is. And it is... Terrifying to see a a life... It it is terrifying to see a life devalued in such a way. But it does help you affirm your own values. You see when others fail to take account for uh, the values of your life, and you define yourself in the way you wish to be viewed you wish to be presented and it makes you stronger in the end the bad experiences and the good must be taken in equal measure he holds up his necklace he says it's what i've been taught that life is a summary of experiences good and bad and what matters is how we shape ourselves in the course of it always looking forward, always about what we can be so long as we are willing to put the work in, not that we are predetermined to be one thing and one thing alone.
2: Well, you do know how I so want to tear down the establishment that so enslaves us all.
1: Well, it is one of the things I enjoy most about you, Saoirse. It's the fact that you're not them, that you are your own person and I look forward to seeing what you become. So please do, once you're free of these stone parliaments, do come see me. I look forward to see who you've become. Of course. He hops up from the ground and tosses the crust of bread over to the birds who attack it viciously. He says, be well, little pebble. I hope every ripple is greater than the last.
2: Infinite ripples. Unsociable bow and go over and
1: hug him. He is for a moment surprised, given your lack of physical contact with things, but he returns it warmly. He has a tremendous amount of care for you. And uh, this was... a big thing for you, because it wasn't but... a few weeks later, sitting on that hill at night, overlooking Shavar, when the skies erupted, and the great shimmering woman descended... All gossamer, white robes, great white wings stretched out to catch an air you couldn't feel. Her face, beautiful, breathtaking. Her figure, impossible. And as she descended in front of you, you knew that things were going to be different. That this was something wholly new and beyond anything that you had ever imagined. And she lit ever so softly on the ground in front of you and smiled at you. A perfect smile. Warm radiance in deep blue eyes. For that moment, you felt as if the universe was encapsulated in that gaze. That a world that had existed as nothing but the stone walls of the Tower of the Training and the confines of Shavar, the great world beyond, the world that Brother Raven had talked about, the world of new experiences, was standing in front of you. And it was humbling but exciting to see What would be out there waiting for you when you were ready? Her name was Aparna. And she said not a word as she turned and walked down to the Alcott Farm. And the following day, the uh, slaves had been set free and the Hired work had been... Their, uh, their contracts terminated and gracious, very gracious, payment delivered to them. And from that day forward, parn was the only one who worked that farm. And she did every scrap of labor. There would always be those who would go to see her shining... Radiant, working the farm, Uh, a good sweat on her brow toiling under the hot sun, but always working, never pausing, forcing that plow across dry soil by hand, uprooting and tilling the soil with tools or when they weren't available or when they broke using the power of the magic she held in her own hands to vent the soil, to, to, to split it up as well and controlled as any Ijumi that they'd seen. And still she never spoke, she only smiled. It was a, a, an amazing thing to see presented to the city to to have something they were certain that she was sent by fallon to come here she had elemental magic how could she not be sent by fallon to to work the land to to serve as a reminder that he was looking out over them all that he was there and that he had sent them a uh, an affinity his own affinity one of his own children to come there and work you learned her name uh, secondhand by someone who had spoken to uh, Ginzi Alcott, the man who owned the farm. He knew her name. And they never. she never spoke to him, but somehow he always knew what she meant and what she said. And he always acted without question when she made a request of him. It was uh, an uproar that held the town for a long time. An uproar... ...slightly diminished for you... ...um... ...a few years later when... ...you heard word that... ...the Demon Lord's army had... ...ravaged across the northern... ...side of, uh, Ordone... ...and that... ...the, uh... ...the Aram Hermitage... ...had been blasted from the surface of Vanadia... ...the building... ...the entire island was gone... And so assumed every exemplar who trained there. That was a heavy, a heavy tale to be told. That the one who had tutored you for so long that had invited you to come see him had been plucked away by the actions of evil incarnate. And it was something that you couldn't talk about. You couldn't share. Because, as always, you needed to be austere. You needed to be contained and controlled. You couldn't let sadness weaken you because you had an obligation to uphold the will of Fallon and the strength of the Chevalier. Because as an Etoile, you are an example of what they are. An extension of divine right and lineage. There was no time for tears. There's only service to the crown. And when you were 18, they took you out of Shavar. And they took you to Arya. They took you away from the small town that you'd grown up in and to the capital. And they walked you into the castle and you met Prince Gaspard. Six foot six in polished silver armor, a sword as tall as he is. A holy knight in the service of Ariadna. And when you walked in, he shook your hands like an equal. And he told you that it was a privilege to meet somebody who was so respected and trusted by the uh, uh, by the elders of the Chevalier. And then he welcomed you to his city. So too were you greeted by his sister, uh, Princess Lydia. Although she was much more demure and quiet. uh, Cloaked a little away. She didn't rise from her seat. She Kept herself curled in... Fair skin and black hair... Against the cloak of feathers she wore. Yep.
2: She has the raven.
1: And you spent... Two years in that city. Doing civil work... For... uh, At an extension of uh, the elders... And of the nobility... You got familiar with uh, the local lord, Baron Lasky. A mountain of a man who uh, had a daughter your age. Although it was uh, hard after spending so many years being closed and isolated from people your own age. And when she came to you to be friendly and social and everything, you didn't you didn't know how to be that person anymore. So she never took offense, but it was hard. There was a part of you that knew you should be able to make friends with people your own age, but with all the fighting and the teaching and the learning and the history, that was something that had been neglected. What was that like for you? To be free as you'd wanted to be for so many years, but still somewhat isolated, just by the weight of what you'd been taught. Mm.
2: With the way that Sersha now thinks, since news of the Arm heritage, she's tucked away quite a bit of what Brother, um, Brother Raven taught her, and she holds it to her closely, but now she's just so hold off and focused. Work comes first, as they would always say. And she never really felt free through Arya because she was working through the contract as one must. And seeing people her age interacting, She never really knew how to approach the conversations or anything, so she would just sit back and listen. While not engaging fully to try to get their attention, she would always just kind of have her ear out to hear what they were talking about, and sometimes at night she would sit there and practice. To no avail, but she would practice. And uh, she always felt the slightest twinge of guilt for not being able to at least (laughs) earn the friendship of the Baron's daughter. But she's sure that she understood.
1: It was hard, but where you weren't always the most socially gifted one when it came to meeting and talking to the people your own age... You were very good at earning respect from those with authority. You did work for the people in town, for the magistrate, for the businesses. Um, They were always very happy to see you come. They knew that your work would be done well, that you were reliable and trustworthy. So they spoke highly of you everywhere you went. It was reassuring, most likely. I would imagine for you that these people were so taken with what you presented, the work you did, that you were trustworthy, that you were reliable, they never pried. They never dug to find out who you were and your secrets were safe. You were Saoirse, uh, Crudu, a reliable worker in the city. Reliable to do what was needed, eager to help. Um, But they never knew that you were Chevalier. And that afforded you some insulation because it also meant that you were privy to conversations that would have been held back had they known every so often when you would work in the bar doing basic chores or weighing tables or things like that, whatever was needed of you in that day, some level of civil service, they never thought of anything of it. Should you be cleaning a table nearby and hear someone discuss that a shipment of slaves would be coming in? Or that... There was, a, there was a noise about the magistrate coming into the city. Uh, marshals with boots on the ground, so they needed to close up shops. They needed to hide shipments and things like that. You heard a lot of the information that others didn't because you blended so well into the background. So it was, in a lot of ways, um, evident to you that some of these people who were, were kind and friendly and at the same time others were embroiled without a second thought. People would be nice to you, but these same people, were. some of them were the ones who would work with the shipping docks to move slaves. Or move contraband. And if they knew what you were, would they still be so kind and so friendly with you? Or if they knew the truth about what you hid so close to your breast, would they view you as just another commodity? It's an interesting dichotomy to find yourself in from a prison of stone and stodgy elders to a prison of secrecy to make sure that you were safe as long as no one knew what you were. That has been the life of Sersha Crudu up till now. And now look at you how far you've come, climbed on to the Iron Rose and sailed to Meridini, plunged into the depths of the catacombs beneath Miradini to fight monsters and undead and abstract whores to to headbutt a, a <laughs> celestial entity in the face. All for people she met three days ago. I'm sure there have been times where you and uh, uh, Amaria's paths crossed from time to time in the city. Although so isolated... You probably didn't have much of a relationship. Kind of a strange and a small world sensation to find out that this person that you had journeyed a thousand miles for in a great iron barge to a brand new city was literally from your old stomping ground. And to find out about her husband. (sighs) Yes, to find out that the next leg of your journey... Yields uh, nobles with deep pockets and connections to the unsavory side of the world that you so desperately want to burn clean. And so many more questions left unanswered and hopefully new questions, new tickles in the back of your brain and connections made. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, there's some demons I gotta fight next. So how are you feeling about this, Saoirse? How how do you feel about this day that's approaching you? Not the day where you're crouching on the edge of a deep pool and there's a bobbit worm the size of a city bus about to snap you up in its jaws and suck you into the water. But, But how do you feel about the challenges of the road ahead? I...
2: I feel like sersha has got quite a bit of, I wouldn't say like growing, yes and no growing to do, but she's definitely starting to feel like she's stepping a little too far out of the comfort zone that she had before, especially surrounded by other people. Her primary focus right now is helping this giant child because you can't let a kid be off on their own. And uh, she's got to come up with a game plan, which I said that she has. But I got to write that out real quick. Um, yeah, how's that,
1: how's that game plan <laughs> holding out for you? Uh, we've got two Danukis and
2: a bounty hunter. I'm sure we could make something work.
1: Excellent. Well, I think the rest of the world is equally excited to see where Sersha goes next. Hopefully not straight down. <sighs> you know,
2: God love Gravity mages.
1: <laughs> well, I think that is an adequate tour through the life of Sersha Crudeau this evening. So as the narrator, I would like to thank you for coming to play this evening,
2: of course, thank you.
1: And I would love to thank uh, the internet and our guests out there in the ether for showing up to see what this is and to take a peek behind the curtain. So yeah, that maybe there ain't they no can...
2: four-hour session, but you know,
1: I'm not that entertaining. I rely on you guys for those.
2: Yeah, it 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 takes. A lot to get two people to talk for four hours.
1: I don't know. I could run one-on-one sessions for days. I've done it.
2: Don't tempt me. (laughs) (laughs) I have Saturday through Wednesday off.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. There you go. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Internet, and everyone else for being a part of this. Make sure you come and join us Saturday when we find out... um, whether or not Saoirse's game plan is as uh, looming as she thinks it is.
2: Might get eaten by a bug. Who knows? Let's Huge
1: see. bug. Huge. Alright. Thank you, Internet. We love you.
2: We love you. Goodbye. Good
1: night.